Um, hold for car. Hold for car, please. Hold for car. Uh, holding for it's not going to be on his. Hold. He's not here. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Every, I hold for hold for me forgetting. Hold for hold for Mandy forgetting. Hold, please. We're clear. You're listening to the Noon 15 Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cole, and I'll take you behind the scenes of Noon 15, an independent band writing, performing, and recording original music. This season, we'll talk about the band's sophomore album, Finish What You Started, and get the story behind one song per episode, as well as the ups and downs of working around day jobs, babies, and band shakeups here in Ithaca, New York. At the end of each episode, you'll hear the song in its finished form. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Noon 15, the podcast. Next on the list is the first of two songs written by Mandy Goldman that we'll be discussing today. This one is Easy. So if you could I guess kind of in general, Mandy, what does it mean to you to have written two of the three songs we're talking about tonight? Oh, um, well, it's, I'm very proud of it. Um, I'm very proud of both of the songs. Um, not just because, you know, they're mine, but also because they became, um, so much more exciting and, and, um, fully realized, um, because of these wonderful people. So, yeah, just really, really happy with both of them, how they turned out, which, like, in both cases is, like, not how I imagined, but better. Why don't you do what I want for a change? Why don't we do what I want? Let's rearrange. Feels just like you mock me, make me beg for what I want. How so? Um, well, easy, like, I don't know. It was my first time really, like, kind of producing the track, too, like, or at least working with Sam on the production of the track. So I kind of learned a lot about, really about my own preferences for arranging and about kind of carrying out the vision of the song until the end. Um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. This song, I think, Easy, we're talking about Easy. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> yes, we're That's... talking about Easy on the Noon 15 podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where am I? This one, I think, was really based on, like, a feeling and a groove more than, like, Scared To, which was, like, a song that I was, like was more sort of composed. It was kind of essential that it developed with everyone else. I mean, we'd worked it out as a live thing and that was its own sort of development. You know, I remember like Joe picking up on the reggae sort of feeling of the of the first section mm-hmm. and us kind of working around that. 
um, you know, and then working that feel change and all that was there. And then we wound up subtracting a lot of at least the things that I was doing live and then working out in the studio. We wound up pulling a lot of it away so that we could emphasize the groove. And when Jorge came in, it really gave you the opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, I remember you saying, like, no, that's what I want is more emphasis on the groove and the feel and less uh, less notes, too many notes. Yeah, less notes. <laughs> yeah, well, I think live it's different, right? Like you can... One, you can establish a reggae groove like quicker live and throw some stuff at people and it's not a big thing. But I don't know. I like you can get so much more texture with groove on a recording than we are able to live. Just like adding guitars, um, add a percussion like. Um, yeah, things you can't do live. Yeah, right? exactly. So, so much, yeah. nice for it to be a groove heavy song. Yeah. I had said to Sam at one point that this might actually be my favorite Noon 15 song to mix. It is just so much fun. I mean, the, the energy all throughout this is just phenomenal, you know? Um, and The bass, just the more I listen to it, just really, really pushes this entire song. And and Harry, when we when we did the Thaw podcast, you had talked about kind of settling into your role as a bass player, you know, and really all three of the tunes we're talking about today, you're singing the back of vocals, sure, but you really how do you feel it's it's coming along? You know, you really seem to be settling in there with it. Yeah. I mean I love I love playing the bass as a as an instrument. It just has like a good feeling in your hands like it's hard to describe it's just like very it's very um i've i've discovered that it is extremely like kinesthetically pleasing like the experience and uh what are you guys snickering about? Everybody just looked at Phil. Hands. Good feeling in your hands. And everybody was like, yeah. Phil? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Phil knows. Phil knows what And I'm Phil was about. like, waka, waka, waka. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's been, it's been fun to slowly, slowly grow my, my uh, bass skills over the course of this band. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really uh, super pleased with not only my playing on this one but actually all three of these um yeah i feel like listening back over them i can kind of hear a distinction between like this and thaw i listened back to thaw and i i felt like i was satisfied to, to feel like there was like some growth there between thaw and these three tracks so um no and it's been fun and actually kind of the the, the backup vocals are pretty minimal for me on these so i really got to like focus on playing the bass Yeah, I got to listen while Sam was mixing these. And um, I also really love your bass playing on this song, Harry. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's really active and um, kind of melodic. And I think that that's really 
great. And part of the reason that I felt like we didn't need too much more in terms of other like melody elements in this tune. Mixing it, you're getting to, you know, really live in the song that way. The bass really drives and also delineates the two different stylistic sections of the song. And I actually wound up using the the front part, the reggae part, where it's got this really like big fat, it's melodic, but it's also anchoring the groove. I wound up using just the direct signal and having it really big and, you know, round and taking up a lot of that space. But then the second half, when it gets more rocky, you're doing this sort of like John Entwistle. It's like a who's next kind of thing. You know, it's it, it's it's this kind of singy, but aggressive rock bass part um and so i used the amp for that and and just like the bass really sort of guided how the song needed to change but also how the two needed to be tied together that was really cool for me to to get to focus that much on something that somebody else was doing instead of me cool yeah i'm glad i'm glad to i was just trying to play sloppy there so Um, and Joe did a lot of layering here once again, right? There's like three uh, different guitar- guitars I think you're credited with. Yeah, I guess. Or there's the acoustic going in the background. Oh, a lot that's of right. Everything I, else that one it, came. You know? That was the last thing that uh, came. Yeah, yeah. The main thing is the the twelve string with the the crazy tremolo effect, which it just kind of feels a little. It's a little bit cheating, really. I'm just kind of found a cool, fun effect that you can just sort of play whatever and it floats over the top because Mandy and Sam are basically holding down <clears throat> the chords and stuff um, on their end, so I can just sort of find some kind of wacky thing that suits the sort of dark nature of this tune mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sort of float in the background. The consistency of that tremolo guitar part really it helps glue the two sections together. For again, for me, like looking at the arrangement as the one who who mixed it, and it's kind of hard to play something wrong because it's just like the, <laughs> the effect just does everything. If you if you took the effect off of what I was playing on the recording, it probably sounds so fucking stupid. But it'd be like if you took the effect off the guitar in a U two record. <laughs> and it'd probably be, I'm sure it'd be worse than that. I, really, um, because I'm just like hitting random. For the record, that would be bad. But yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, yeah, and that acoustic thing, that was like, yeah, like one of like the last thing that we did, like last minute we were recording Manny's guitar. And Sam was handing me the acoustic guitar and just asked if I could just strum the chords over top and give it sort of just well, more of just another texture, really. Yeah. yeah. It's like oh, a progressive texture. The the blending of that like big fat distorted like almost punk rock guitar that Mandy was playing with something that was we did we did like a really lo-fi acoustic guitar recording just to like add almost some like rhythm washboard going or something. Yeah, like. exactly. Yeah. It was like a percussion and you yeah. know the, the Mandy's electric took up all the 
the fatness, and then yeah. the yeah. acoustic gave it. That's what rhythm. I do. Just on top, yeah. Why don't yeah. you take up all the fatness? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> And I guess Joe would be more relevant for playing it live necessarily than in the studio recording, but I guess you almost have a little more freedom when Mandy's playing rhythm guitar. Sure, right? yeah. Especially when, you know, Sam's, you know, he's obviously does a lot of different things with the keyboards. But does he? Oh. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. In this particular tune and a lot of the tunes that Mandy's playing guitar, he is also holding down the chords. So, yeah, it allows me to be more melodic and just basically my job is to just kind of stay out of the way and not muddy things up. I, I don't have to worry about being there with the changes. Keeping the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It helps for like learning the tunes too because I can just sort of lay out for a while and listen and it'll still sound like a song. <laughs> sure. I don't have to worry about carrying things and I can just sort of listen to what other people do are doing and figure it out as you go. Yeah, bounce things off of them and see what works, see what doesn't. Joe's solo at the end was one of the last things we did. Like that was a mask, masks on in the home studio overdub. Um, and it's one of the first things we've had anyone else over here to record in our home studio since we started it. Uh, and I will say like, it was such a joy to, you know, sort of uh, christen the studio for outside people by having Joe come in and plug his Les Paul into a Fender amp and crank it up to get that tone. And also, I think my ears just stopped ringing from that last week and I, when I was like, oh... I remember it, uh, recording that part and going, oh, this is why people build control rooms in their studios. God. <laughs> yeah, I want to, we have like a, we have like a storage space above the garage and I'm like, not for <laughs> And another, another one where Jorge Cuevas lends uh, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying there might be more you wanted to say about what he did in this song. Um, yeah. I just, when, I don't even know how it came up but Sam was bringing in Jorge for dinosaurs, dinosaurs. and for dinosaurs. Uh, dinosaur bone. Um and I was I don't even know if I suggested it or if Sam was like, Can you think of anything else that he would sound good on? And I just really wanted easy to have just like a really fat, fat, fatty fat groove. Um and I love Jorge's playing and like know that he's just an absolute gem to uh, hang out with. So he, yeah, it was great. Um, I kind of went with it, uh, just listened to him play through the song because I'd never, never produced anyone playing congas before. Mm -hmm. And I have very rarely, like, <laughs> attentively been able to listen to congas. So, and had no idea what, you know, was going to happen. I just kind of let him play through it. And then I just kind of, like... I, I was like scribbling furious notes and had him go through it again and like came up with a little bit of a call and response thing. Um, Cause he had, I didn't know what it was called. I was like, can you get out that drum that goes crack, crack, crack. 
And he was like, oh, the Timbales? And I was like, that is the one, sir. And yeah, so, and then he at the end was like, oh, I just have a bin full of stuff, of percussion toys. And and he just kept pulling out incredible things of all shapes and sizes. And the last thing was a vibraslap. And I was like, well, it's got to happen. It's got to be on the track. The answer is always yes. Yes, more vibraslap. That was the same thing with when we were working on dinosaurs. He said, you know, I do have a gong out in the car. And I was like, yes, you will be getting the gong from the car. (laughs) If you brought it. And I had done a bunch of like lead synth stuff and we got rid of all of it because the timbale really took over that role of responding to the vocal. Why don't we do it your way for a while? You do your shadow dances and just smile. And it became a, a rhythmic response rather than a, a pitched response, which is really cool. It's it, It's different from what would normally happen if it were just us and it's nice sometimes to get that outside uh, influence on what you're doing get sure. something fresh in and also now i don't need to play interesting synth lines i can just play a groove when we play it live <laughs> three songs fit in with finish what you started as a whole they're all like dark they're all like confronting fears and anxieties that's yeah. the um even the like brighter ones like the cell is about that it's about infidelity so it's they're all uh about that one way or the other dinosaurs and the tick obviously are about confronting that in sort of a large like socio-political sense but yeah, and easy it's a loose loose concept loose concept it's loose it's only as loose as we say it is <laughs> i'm gonna say we were english majors we need to, we can definitely pull this together. It's as loose as Phil, am I right? Hey. After a couple of poppers. What? Yeah, ready to move along? Yeah, I think Everybody? so. Yeah. Phil, w- oh, uh, I'll, Phil played in a reggae band, everyone. All right. <laughs> That's why he's so good at those fat, fat beats. Ugh. And with that, we're ready to hear the song. We have Mandy Goldman with the writing credit, as well as lead and background vocals and electric guitars. Samuel B. Lupowitz on organ and background vocals. Joe Massa on six and 12-string electric guitars and the acoustic guitar, which I'm assuming had six strings. <laughs> Harry Nichols on bass and background vocals. Phil Shea on the drums. And once again, Jorge T. Cuevas on congas, timbales, tambourine, and the aforementioned assorted percussion. It's easy from noon 15. Just like you 
Thanks for listening to the Noon 15 Podcast. Visit Noon15.com to subscribe and for more music, videos, and info on upcoming shows. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Tune in next time for another trip behind the scenes with Noon 15. <laughs> Pam, say cut. Yeah, Pam. <laughs> <laughs>